Well, good morning. Nice. Uh, are you tired? Yeah, a lot of... You going to take a nap today? Yeah, don't take it here. I'm going to call you out. I'll have the ushers come in. Roll three, B6. I'd never do that, don't worry. My name's Rob Perry. I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint. We're glad that you are here today as we continue, actually bring to a close our series. Before we get started, I want to say it's going to be a busy few weeks here. Starting next week on Sunday, we're going to celebrate Palm Sunday together. So you want to be sure to be here for that. And then on Thursday of that week, we're going to have a special communion service at 7 p.m., So another thing that we'd love to have you come to. And then we have our Easter weekend services. And I said Easter weekend services. Last year, it was the most attended service was during Easter. We actually had to set up overflow in the lobby and people were coming for the first time and having to sit out there. And so what we did was added an additional service. So we're going to have one at Saturday at 7 p.m., And then we'll have 9, 10.30, and noon on Sunday. And so here's how you can help. Because there'll be people that are coming for the first time on that Sunday, or people coming to church maybe to try it again. But Easter is when they're going to come. And you're regular here, and what we would ask you to do, one one of the ways that you can help that person connect with God is to give up your seat at the 9 and 10.30 hour. For those that would be there, it's a very simple way to allow somebody to come in and connect with God. Just be able to worship, hear the music, and then hear uh, about Jesus. So consider coming to the Saturday at 7 p.m. or Sunday at noon, if you would. Well, enough about next week and the weeks ahead. Let's talk about today. As I said, we're wrapping up uh, the series we've been in called The One where we've been looking at the Song of Songs, or some of you may have it as the Song of Solomon. Uh, It's one of the books in the wisdom books. So you've got in the Old Testament, you've got Job, you've got Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and then Song of Songs. Those are considered the wisdom books. And so we've been seeking in the Song of Songs wisdom in the area of marriage. A Song of Songs talks about marriage, communication. We've talked about sex in here one of the weeks. I am so glad Donnie had to take care of that message and that I didn't have to do that. But if you've missed any of those messages, they are all online. You can go to uh, lifepointchurch.com, click messages, and then either watch or listen uh, to the messages. But we have said all along in this series that it is a PG-13 series. So if you have younger kids, now would be the time to take them to LifePoint Kids. Um, I don't want you to have to answer questions sooner than you wanted to. So as Donnie said, we can assure you that they will not be talking about sex over in LifePoint Kids. So consider this a PG-13 service, and if you would, just take your children to LifePoint Kids. Well, when it comes to marriage, one of the, the question culture asks is, is it really possible to fall in love and stay in love forever these days. Is that, is that really possible? Well, a week ago this past Friday, we held a Marriage Connect event in here. It was sold out. There were over 200 people. And, and what that is, is there are couples that are engaged that came to that. And then there were, uh, the rest of the couples were all married. And it's a time where people can learn, time where they can have fun, 
Even the husbands had fun. You can ask the couples. Normally, wives would have fun. They'd be like, oh, yeah, it was great. And the husband would be like, oh, not going on one of those again. But you can ask the husbands that went here. They were like, oh, it was so much fun. I never laughed so much. So we held this event. And one of the things we do is we give away prizes. And one of the prizes was to the couple that was married the longest. And so in the house that evening was a couple that was married for 50 years. And I know this couple, I mean, they were having so much fun that evening, but I know them. That's the, what I saw there is what they do outside of the church. They just have fun together. So is it possible that you can fall in love and stay in love? Yes. Then this week after this event, I went and made a house visit to somebody whose husband is sick. And um, I sat there in the living room and the husband's in a hospital bed in the living room. And the wife was just sharing. It, it was kind of odd because she was just beaming about her spouse. It's saying, we've been married 55 years. And then she proceeded to pull out pictures and stories and point. And she was just so happy in the fun that they had together. So can we fall in love and stay in love? Absolutely. But I want to know, and you probably want to know, how, how do you do that? Because I want, in 30 years from now, I want to be saying, Kim, she's still the one after 50, not 50, yeah, 58 years. <laughs> Had to look. Don't tell her that. <laughs> but after 30 years, I would love to be able to say 58 years, and she's still the one. So today I want to look at what are the things that you and I can do so that come at the end of our lifetime, we can say, he or she is still the one. And that's the topic for today. And I'm going to ask that the ushers come down with Bibles, because as we do every week, we're going to jump into God's Word. And if you don't have a Bible or you forgot your Bible, just signal to the ushers. They'll give you one. It is yours to keep. Or if you know somebody that doesn't have a Bible, then, you know, take one and give it to them. But the Song of uh, Songs follows Solomon and his wife, and it kind of goes through their attraction and their pursuit of one another, and then their marriage. And it's been helpful for everyone, not just married couples. It's been helpful for single folks to kind of look at what, what are the standards, what are the characteristics that I want in my spouse? This has been helpful to them, but it's been helpful to me as one who's married and others in here to be able to look and see, how am I to love my spouse? You see, everybody's got their two cents about marriage, right? Oh, you're getting married. I, when you tell a person that you're getting married, uh, when I said it 28 years ago to folks and you say it today, you still get the same response. Oh, really? Uh, are you sure? There's a chance to get out, you know. I mean, people have their two cents. They want to tell you all, and then they proceed to tell you, oh, wait till you have kids. But people have actually, couples have actually gone on to social media and started tweeting kind of, here's what you can expect in married life. So if you don't have money for premarital counseling or counseling, then here, let us give you some marital wisdom. Seriously, I went... I had, to, I had pages, I had 70 pages I could have pulled from, and I narrowed it down to one eight and a half by 11. Here's a couple of the wisdom, people's two cents. Hey, make sure you're the first to ask what 
what you want for dinner so that you don't have to be the one to decide all the time. Uh, here's uh, a wife who said, my husband's home sick from work today. It's like having a thousand babies. <laughs> here's a husband's comment. When my wife asked me to do that one thing in the bedroom that she really likes, she's talking about vacuuming. <laughs> here's one from a guy who feels his pain. His wife said, I can't wait to take a hot shower and get in bed with you and work on my latch hook. Uh... Not where I thought that was going, says the husband. And then this last one, I, I love this. Marriage is essentially being able to watch another person eat chicken wings without throwing up. <laughs> Everybody's got their advice about marriage. I think we will avoid that, and we will seek God's wisdom through the Song of Songs here. And in, the last, you know, in this last session, we're going to see Solomon and his wife kind of aging in their love for one another and making it last a lifetime. So let's jump in. Let's look at some of the good advice that we can get here from Mrs. Solomon. His mouth is sweetness itself. He is desirable in every way. Such a woman of Jerusalem is my lover, my friend. Many couples have fun moments. Maybe we have fun seasons, but how about for a lifetime? What a perfect vision for marriage, right? A goal for marriage. She says, my lover and friend. Now for me, a little sidestep, product of the 70s and 80s, I'm thinking of that Michael Bolton song. You know, how can we be lovers when we can't be friends? <laughs> Is that playing in anybody's mind? Some are like, I cannot believe you just did that. But what a picture. My lover, my friend. But see, that's going to take, to get to the end of our lifetime, be able to say, my friend, my lover, to be able to get there, it's going to take work. Because falling in love, that's absolutely easy. But staying in love takes a plan. It requires that we do things now so that we can experience the fruit of that work. And it shouldn't be a surprise. We have plans for everything. We have plans for our careers plans for um, finances, plans for our families, plans for what we want to do after we retire. But do we have a plan for our marriages so that they are healthy? That when all of those things happen, you don't get on the other side of that and look at the person and go, who are you? I don't really know you. Do we have a plan so that we can be friends and lovers? Will our marriages, the plans, make our marriages healthy so that they kind of, they're a window for the world to look in and say, I see God's love, his mercy, and his forgiveness active in that marriage. Do we have plans that are promoting that? You see, one of the things I know that if she calls him her friend. Here's something that we do as friends that I think we can do in our marriages to help us still be the one down the line, and it's this. Friends have fun together, don't they? We need to learn to have fun in our marriages again. Because a lot of times you ask people, when was it that you had fun last? Think of a time that immediately, right? You go to dating. You may be thinking here, oh, it's like when we were dating. 
For me, I go back 20, uh, 28 years and I'm remembering, I remember those long walks because it was summertime. I'd walk for hours and not complain. I'd walk, I'd talk, I'd play board games. Kim wants to play board games now. I'm like, oh, really? Let's just watch Netflix. You know, but you do all of this stuff. We had long distance relationship. And so I wouldn't do this, but she would. She would skip class and come see me. And when we were there, we'd eat Haagen-Dazs at 11 p.m. at night. We're eating, I think it was vanilla Swiss almond. And we're just eating that and enjoying and talking for like three or four hours, getting to know one another. We were having fun. Are we having fun in our marriages now? Because we need to. Last year, there was a documentary that came out called 112 Weddings. And it was by Doug Block. Doug Block is a filmmaker. And on the side, to supplement, what he did was go and video weddings. And so the 112 happens to be the number of weddings he did over a 20-year period. And so he said, why don't I take my two careers, if you will, and join them together? And so he went on the films about him going and finding the 112 couples that he uh, did their video of their wedding. Because he wanted to ask them some questions, two questions particularly. And so he set out to find them. He found some of them. Some were divorced. Some were in poor health. Some were caring for parents. Some had grown apart. Some were doing really well. Some had passed away. Some wouldn't talk to him. Um, but he was able to get many of them together. And he asked them these two questions. What did you think marriage was going to be like? You know the follow-up. What did it end up being like? And so he heard all of this, and he's got some great insights for, you know, how people grew apart and how they really grew close to one another. I just want to read two of his insights here. He said uh, here, I have a wise rabbi friend who has officiated well over 100 weddings. He maintains that weddings are easy to make happy. You just throw a bunch of money and alcohol at it. Whereas marriages are hard to make happy because if you throw a bunch of money and alcohol at it, it will make things worse. And then he goes, and this was a big one, pick wisely is the best advice. You'd better find somebody who feels like your jokes are funny. This is what he says. Now, some of you, this does not give you permission if you're married to go find somebody else. Don't leave here and write Donnie like, wow, what are you teaching? No, you can have fun in your marriage if your spouse doesn't laugh at your jokes. But he's saying not everybody's got to be a comedian, but you've got, especially folks who are single, find somebody who you can have fun with. Because if you have fun with them, you can make it through a lot. Because the truth is, life presses in on us, right? Our careers, our kids, and all of a sudden you find yourself waking up and doing the same thing over and over again, running the kids to school, getting to work, running errands, leaving early, getting them to soccer, getting them to music, getting them to church stuff. And all of a sudden, your marriage becomes another one of those things. One more thing you have to manage. And your spouse, you know, gets neglected or it gets added onto this list. We have to be intentional about having fun together. Like when we were dating, we gotta get back there. Be friends with our spouse. 
Singles, if you are dating, don't push to get serious too quickly. Be friends. Get to know them. Don't push through it. And so all I want to say here is make time. I don't think we can afford not to make time for one another and to have fun. It doesn't mean we have to do like these grandiose things. It may mean just hanging back for 15 minutes and eating with the breakfast with the family before you head out. If you can't do that, then come home early and do dinner. And if you have to go back to work, go do that. Leave a little note for your spouse, a little stick it note and put it on the mirror that says, I love you when you blank and put that in there and just start to have fun again. Even in intimacy, make time. You're saying schedule sex? Yeah. If your life is so busy, listen, for Christ followers, it is normal to be healthy and regular in your intimacy for one another. Read 1 Corinthians 7. What is not normal is to not be doing it. You can, but you have to both agree and be in prayer together. And then at one point, you come back together. So if that's not regular for you, it is a gift in marriage. So make time for it. Yeah, but then it won't feel spontaneous. Make it fun then. Make time for one another. Reestablish that friendship. One of the resources I want to put in your hand, or at least you can sign up for, at the marriage event, we told folks, if you want a monthly resource for your marriage that's kind of fun to read and will help you um, do different things and say different things and look at your marriage and learn, um, they signed up for what's called the monthly marriage e-zine, e-zine magazine. I think 200 couples have signed up for that. If you don't know about that and you want it, on your Connect card, grab a pen right now, write e-zine, and we'll add you to that list. We just sent it out this week, but I'll send it out to whoever signs up today. Have fun together. What are you doing to accomplish that in your marriage? And so as we've read the Song of Songs, we're reminded just how passionate that these two are for one another, how much they've invested in one another. And as we get to the end, we hear Mrs. Solomon starting to talk about the nature of true love. Listen in. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death, its jealousy as enduring as the grave. Love flashes like fire, the brightest kind of flame. She's talking about strong commitment here to each other. She even says, my love is as strong as death. When death starts to come upon somebody, you can't loosen its grip. She's saying, my love is as strong as that. You see, a love that's not going anywhere. And if we want to still be the one at the end of our lives for our spouses, it's going to take this, that we honor our commitment to one another. And I do want to say here, because there may be some here that you find your place, you find yourself in a place where you kind of, you broke that vow and this kind of stuff is, is making you feel guilty. I'll stop that part. 
I want you to journey with me forward from here because what I want you to do is take the positive aspect of this and be able to honor your commitment and do it right, right from where you are, are forward from here. So please, just, just come with me on this. We hear her say, a seal here. Place me like a seal on your heart and arm. A seal would have been like a sign of ownership. She's saying, I want the world to know that you own me and I own you. Let everyone see that. May there be no doubt. And she says, put that seal on my heart. God's, when he talks about the heart, it is the root of everything we do. Our actions, all that come out of our heart. And she's saying, place that on your heart. Our arm is like strength. And some of your translations may say, wear me as a signet ring on your heart, as a ring on your hand. May this commitment be so visible. And the original word here really conveys, and if you could get this picture in, it conveys like a, a digging in where you're like, my love, like I'm going nowhere. You can throw stuff at life at me, but I'm not going anywhere. Life can get complicated, but I'm committed to you. I'm not committed to it. I'm not committed to the vows. I'm not committed to your parents or your mom or dad. I am committed to you is what we're talking about here. So what are we to do? I think do whatever it takes to honor your commitment here. You see, the world thinks contracts. I will do this if you do that. That's the way it works. But... It's not a contract with God. God deals with covenants. So we, when, when I do marriages, when you stood for your marriage, you were making a covenant with the people and with God that that is the one. The world deals contracts. We deal with covenants. And so as I talk about this, you got to work at your commitment. So what's that mean? Because some of you are in crisis. And so do whatever it takes. Sign up for a marriage intensive. Write this on your card, weekendtoremember.com, weekendtoremember.com, or hideaway.com. What are those? They're marriage intensives. It will be the best money you've ever spent to invest in your marriage and take it to places it's never been. You think it's dead? God deals with dead things and brings them to life. Do whatever it takes. Ask yourself the question, have I done everything that I can to reconcile and restore and bring health to this marriage? Now, there's some that you're not in crisis. You're like, it's not me, Rob. Okay. All I can say is keep dating one another. You know, have fun with one another. Serve one another. I think serving is one of the the special things, because serving is that unconditional love. It's not, I'll serve you if you do this. That, that's conditional. How can I do this, Rob? Well, if you're a Christ follower, think of what Christ did for you, and you have the spirit of Christ in you. He leaned in and did something for us that we couldn't do 
for him at the time. I didn't say yes to Christ when he jumped up on that cross to die for me. He did it anyway, and then I did it. We can do it as Christ followers through the power of the Holy Spirit and ask him to work on and honor your commitment. And this is going to take the last thing that I want to talk about this morning in order to still be the one. And that is put God first. That is the most important thing. I should put that right at the top. But all the other things, all the things that we talked about over the past few weeks, the things that we're talking about today, you have to put God first in order to do those other things, in order to be the husband, to be the wife that you need to be. We've got to prioritize our first love first. Look in, uh, in the same section where we're talking about true love. In verse 5, we, we read, Who is this coming up from the desert, leaning on her lover? Mrs. Sampson's talking about being led by Solomon. Being led by her. And it's very familiar verse, and a verse that we didn't cover this morning, but if you go back to chapter 3, you read, Who is this coming up from the desert? like a column of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and incense made from all the spices of the merchant. This reference here, being led by like a pillar of smoke, for the Israelites, they knew what they were talking about. They left Egypt. When they left Egypt, God led them by a pillar of fire and smoke. God led them. And so it's as if she's saying here, Solomon, I see you coming. You're, being, you're coming to take me as your wife, and it looks like you're being led by God. God is in charge. And I think it's implied here that here's this couple that if you're here the previous week, they had been through some tough times in these previous two chapters. We see conflict and difficulty and pain in the relationship, and now God is leading them and bringing them to a safe place. He's the one bringing them through it. And if you're going to make it to a safe place and a strong place, you need to put God first in your marriage. I like how C.S. Lewis describes this to a friend. He says, When I have learned to love God better than my earthly dearest, I shall love my earthly dearest better than I do now. And so far as I learn to love my earthly dearest at the expense of God and instead of God... I shall be moving towards the state in which I shall not be, that I shall not love my earthly dearest at all. When first things are put first, second things are not suppressed, but they're increased. If you can get like a picture of a triangle, it takes three to become one in marriage. Think of the spouses here. You both have to be pursuing the third, God. And notice as you pursue God, what happens to the distance between you two? Gets shorter. You get closer as you get closer to God. That's your focus. You get closer to one another. You see, God's math is one plus one equal one. The world's math says one plus one equal two. Your spouse completes you. That's not God speaking. Your spouse may compliment you but it is only God who completes you. 
You see, we're going to fail one another as spouses. We're going to miss that opportunity to uplift and encourage our spouses just the way it is. And if I am looking for Kim to make me feel significant and valued and loved all the time, she's going to let me down and I'm going to lose the feeling. I've got to let God have that rightful place. The most necessary bond in your marriage is between you and Christ. It adds a whole new dimension. It's like going, I'm a techie, it's like going from dial-up to broadband. I'm talking the ability to have love and peace and patience and kindness and self-control. These are the things that Christ can do in your marriage. He gives you the capacity to forgive when you're like, I don't want to. He's the one that gives you the ability to love the way you need to love that other person. Imagine if all of us started to live out what we've been learning in this series called The One. If we really held on to the sanctity of marriage between a husband and a wife and protected that gift of sex within marriage and we approached conflict where we're seeking unity and restoration versus withdrawing and avoiding. Imagine if we did that. I think that we'd get to the end of our lifetime and say, you're still the one. I want to close. I, that lady that I visited this past week, she said to me, she said, because um, her husband's going in and out of lucidness, and um, she said, you know, the other day, he had a time where he was talking to me. You know what he said to me? I said, what? He said, I love you. <laughs> it was in health before. Now it's in sickness, and she's still the one. You and I, we need to do all the things, pursue one another, have fun with one, one another, honor our commitment, put God first. And I believe at the end of our lives and our times, we'll be saying, you are still the one. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you for your idea of marriage and how we are to uh, live in that and that you have provided a way. I pray for everyone in here. Lord, we're in different spots. There are some who, who are in crisis, others who are looking for that one, marriages that are healthy, um, Father, and people that just not sure what to do, Lord, you know each one. And we just pray, you're not only our Savior, we pray that you will be Lord over the surge, Lord over our marriages, and that our hearts, I pray that for each one here, including myself, that our wills would align with yours as you do with what only you can do. And I know that the fruit of that will be a beautiful marriage and that the world would see you as a result of looking in at our marriages. And it's in your son's name I pray. Amen.